0: Well, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you're watching online, Merry Christmas. This is a time of year where every time you see somebody, Merry Christmas, right? So uh, Merry Christmas, it's good, it's good. It's a good time of year. I'm excited, excited to continue our series called Advent, The Coming Savior. And uh, But before we get to that, I wanted to make a couple of announcements and kind of let you know about a couple of things that are going on here at Northwood Church. Um, we, every week, have sort of had a focus of um, how to maybe do some creative things to outreach to our community and to people around us. Uh, many of you remember we, we bought a lot of people's uh, Thanksgiving dinners the week before Thanksgiving and uh, did some special things like that. Each week we've had some sort of focus on, uh, on reaching out, like I said. And, and, and so I kind of want to give you a heads up about what we did this past week and then also what we're going to be doing this next week. Uh, this past week... We fed uh, four police departments. We brought on some barbecue and uh, fed a, a bunch of police officers and, and, and the staff and so uh, so that was really cool uh, and and then also we gave uh, two thousand five hundred dollars this past week to the Center for nonviolence um, who many of you know their organization, but an incredible work of what they 're doing here on the coast and, and so we supported them they, they needed some. You know, having some issues here in December, uh, meeting some things, meeting some people's uh, needs. And so we kind of came up behind them and and gave them some cash just to help them out during this time. Um, We also gave $2,500 to the South Mississippi Child Advocacy uh, Center um, and also... Uh, we are doing a toy drive. In case you guys didn't know, we've talked about it each week. Uh, And this week, we're actually going to be delivering those toys, all the toys that you guys have been bringing in the North and the South lobbies. We're going to be bringing those uh, to the organization for them to distribute those. Also yesterday, uh, a large event that happens every single year, Camping for Hope took place right down there on the beach uh, next to Shaggy's and um, each, each year, what we do is we take up tents and, and socks and all sorts of things, and uh, we partner together with the Gulf Coast Community Missions uh, Ministry, and uh, we go out there and we bless the people in our community who are homeless. Um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about uh, homeless people. Um, one that we know is that they were created in the image of God. Okay And they deserve some love, and so we go out there every year uh, and all throughout the year many of you you, you serve in many different I know of people who go and make deliveries to people who in the woods come on all the time to help support them and love them um, and it's just a great time to go out there and minister to those people. A lot of you in this room today you were there, and I want to thank you for showing up and showing out uh, Northwood Church we, we always show up well, and uh, yesterday was no different. Um, and so it was just awesome to look out there. But we, a lot of us wore red surf shirts, you know. And, and so it was awesome just to see that taking place. And, uh, but really, really powerful time. And so, so thank you for that. But next week, this coming week. Uh, we're going to be feeding four more nursing home staff, nursing homes, their staffs. Uh, we actually have something called Circle of Hope here, uh, led by Mr. Randy Robbins, and, um, and and we're actually going to a lot of different retirement facilities and, and nursing homes in order to uh, to show some love to those, those places and the people that live there, um, and so if maybe... You, you would like to jump in, some of you, man, you got to get out the house. You got to go do something, right? You got to go serve somebody, man. And uh, go to northwood.church slash serve opportunities, and you'll have a, a chance to do that. Um, I know each, each year, uh, at least once a year, we're able to go down to Bay Cove over in Biloxi. Uh, we go there for Halloween, uh, go and trick-or-treat. All the, all the people that live there, they, uh, they had their buckets of candy. And um, we heard a couple years ago that, that they were actually um, sitting outside their room, buckets of candy, and nobody showed up. And so he said, that's not good. We're not going to do that. And so, uh, so the last couple of years, we've been able to bring a, a big group, uh, group out there and, and go and trick-or-treat. Uh, also, it's inside. It's inside, which is nice. But, uh, but go bless those people. And so, uh, so we're just always like, man, how can we serve? How can we give? And uh, I want to encourage you to, to keep that mindset through this season. Um, but also, we're going to be delivering, like I said, delivering those toys uh, this week. And so I just, I, I love being a part of the church that's, it's not just about what can we do for ourselves, but how, how are we making an impact? And sometimes an impact is something very small and simple, but, uh, but if you've ever been in need, you've been in a, a moment that you were isolated or by yourself, or maybe it's something you didn't have enough money to get presents for your kids, whatever it is, and somebody shows up, somebody shows up in your need, and they meet a need, you know how much that meant to you. And I believe as, as people of God that we do those things in the name of Jesus. Come on, every time that we do that, every time that we help somebody out, we do it not just to do something good, but to do something righteous that points to Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's the motivation for why we do what we do. And so, so this week, uh, man, as, you, as you're shopping for maybe your own kids, your own family, why don't you buy an extra toy? Why don't you buy an extra gift for somebody and, uh, and show some love to, to people, right? Let's do that, all right? Good, good, good. All right. So... Advent, week three, in case this is your first time here, or maybe you hadn't been here in a while, we are in this series, and really what Advent means is coming or arrival, and we're talking about, uh, you know, what Jesus has done and what he's accomplished through his life, his death, his burial, but just in the fact that he came, what did Jesus bring onto the scene of our lives, of this world, whenever he showed up. And, um, you know, even in the time, back in the Bible days, these people, the Jews, they had a a certain mindset of what it was that this Messiah that was prophesied to come, what he would actually bring and what he would actually accomplish. And for a lot of them, they really thought that Jesus was going to come as a king, crown on the head, right, and, and, and rule and reign and fix everything that was broken uh, physically. And whenever he came, and he came as a baby in a manger, right, and, and then he grew up and, and he's doing all these great signs and wonders, but then he eventually dies on a cross. I think that their expectations of Jesus were shattered, right? You're supposed to be a king, Jesus, and he ends up not being the type of king that they thought he would be. So there's all these expectations that got disappointed and uh, And for us today, I think a lot of times we confuse what Jesus has come to bring onto the scene and and whenever our expectations are not met, we kind of maybe throw up our hands a little bit and say, "Well, Jesus, I thought that you were going to be you know doing this and doing that." And, and so it's really just the same issue just in a different century. And I think it's so important that we look back to the things that Jesus, his coming, what did it mean? What did it really mean? What did he really come to bring? And if we have a proper understanding of that, then I believe that this season is a a celebration. If we don't have a proper understanding of what it is that Jesus came to bring, then we can't properly celebrate it. So Advent, the coming Savior, if we don't have a proper understanding, it doesn't mean that much. And I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer, his uh, quote about Advent is really powerful. He says this, the celebration of Advent is possibly uh, is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Poor in soul, poor in spirit. The Bible talks about that, blessed are the, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not only does that mean poor in spirit, like in poor, what we would think. It also means just humble and broken. I think it really speaks to being aware of your actual condition. If you're aware of your actual condition, then the scriptures that we read and the the things that we talk about and what Jesus came to bring means so much to you because you understand Man, what the valley really is, right? Where your depth of despair really is, and so you, when you see that Jesus came to fix and restore things, it increases your level of joy and celebration. You know, I think a lot of times in worship, whenever we sing, like we were just singing, I think um, at times even for myself, it's it's like kind of routine. It's, we're just singing songs, and and in the times wherever. I'm with the people of God and I don't feel something like in here that's welling up inside of me. I always think, Jordan, where's your perspective at right now? What are, what, where are your expectations lying? Because the truth hasn't changed. So if the truth hasn't changed, what's going on in here? And so as we sing these songs, like we were just encouraging you about, always think about your perspective while you're singing it. Because I believe that to those who know They know that they're dead without Jesus, right? That they're cursed apart from him. I think whenever we sing about the life that we have in him, it should be exuberant. It should be a celebration. And in the same thing, this month, whenever we talk about the coming of Jesus and what he comes to to bring to us, it should should produce something in us. And so in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about hope, we talked about peace. And today we wanna talk about joy, that Jesus came to bring us true hope true peace, and true joy. And so I want to start in Luke chapter two, verse 10. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now we read these scriptures like I just read it. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, right? It's... Not very illustrative, kind of boring. Just, okay, go to the next thing. But we got to picture what's going on here, okay? First off, there's there's an angel. That's kind of a big deal, right? And I always love how when an angel comes on the scene, a lot of times it's, don't be afraid. Because I think if all of us saw an angel, we would be struck with fear, right? We like to think how we would react in certain situations. And then when it actually happens, it's like, oh, man, I was like, kind of like Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. You know what I'm saying? Like, I tell you what, if he comes at me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, yeah, then you get punched in the nose, and you're like, ah, ow. You know, it's like, you know, an angel shows up on the scene. They cowered, he's like, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news, good tidings that will cause great joy. It's going to bring you great joy and all the people of the earth great joy. So what is this good news? Right? And what is this joy? We need to define that. As we talk about joy, we have to talk about what joy is, but we, also, we have to talk about what joy isn't. Because whenever we talk about joy, the world's understanding of joy is what? Happiness? Right, come on, y'all. Maybe some of you are like, isn't that the same thing? Not really. It's not really the same thing, but we think it is. And so we approach this life with the expectation of happiness, and, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people obviously over the years and, and maybe they're going through something in their life and they're trying to get everything fixed up. And, and I'm like, hey, man, what's really, what's the goal? What's the end goal of all the things that you're talking about? And if all of your problems were put back together or whatever the case is. And, and I've, I've just heard this phrase a whole lot. I just want to be, be happy. I want to be happy. My, I want my spouse or my family or the whoever. I just want us to be happy. You know, so we're trying to get to this elusive happiness, this threshold of yay, I don't know. you know, And, and, and the thing is, whenever we talk about it in that way, at least the way that I kind of read into that is it's this paramount thing of like, it's this pinnacle thing of life. If I could just be happy or if they could just be happy. I think a lot of times in the church, we look at people who are broken and we're like, they just, they just need to be happy. I just want them to be happy. The thing about it is, is that happiness is actually sort of a a weak thing. It's a volatile thing, it's a a fluctuating thing. And so I really believe that Jesus didn't come to bring us happiness. I don't think that that was, I don't think that Jesus came onto the scene and his whole life was like, I just wanna help everybody around here be happier, right? Why? Although happiness isn't bad, don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, okay? I believe that, I mean, y'all, I want to be happy. Come on. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I could care less whether I'm happy or not. No, I'm not like a monk up here on stage, okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we want to be happy. But is that the paramount, like the, the, the top thing for all of us to search for? I think in America it is. I think it is. I think that that's truly where it's at but I just wanna be happy. I like Tim Keller's quote on this thing of happiness. He says, what the world calls happiness is getting control of your life so that you keep your circumstances favorable. So many people, it's like, really, if you just define what it is they're talking about, they just want to feel like they're out in front of their circumstances. They want to feel like they're out in front of all the things that are taking place. Like, they want their life to actually match up with their plans they have for their life. And whenever I've set this trajectory and these plans and my life is falling into line with those plans, then I'm fulfilled, I'm happy, I feel like I have control. And, of course, if we have control of our life, then, of course, we feel like those. Circumstances are going to be favorable. Therefore, we could really say happiness equals favorable circumstances. Isn't that weak? Let's be honest. Come on, guys. That's a weak definition or that's a weak goal for our lives is just to have favorable circumstances. So when we define it like that, we kind of pull back the curtain on what happiness actually is. It it, it leaves us wanting. It leaves us like, eh, I mean, we want that. But at the same time, is that really the purpose of my life? To what degree are we looking for something this life actually can't produce? To what degree? One thing I know, and you guys know it too, is that I want you to think to the last really, really good circumstance that happened to you. Like the thing that literally you were like, yes! You know, for me, it's pretty much been the whole LSU season this year. It's just every Saturday has been just... Overflowing joy and happiness and fulfillment. Last night was just another moment of Joe, B- Joe Burrow winning the Heisman. I mean, it's just like, yes, you know, it's good. It's good. I actually, uh, I just bought some socks that will be making an appearance at some point, God willing. Uh, it's pretty awesome. When you wear them, it actually, when you put your legs together, you see the whole tiger head. Oh, yeah. You know the gloves? Like, I got socks that look like that. And then even when you turn, like, your calves, it's all about it, all about it, all about it. I don't know why I didn't buy them last year, right? Bandwagon. (laughs) That's exactly why I didn't. The tide was still rolling. But it looks like the tide has gone out for a season, so hallelujah. All right. (laughs) Man, it is... It is gonna, it's going to be a really bad season <laughs> next year, probably. It's going to come back with a vengeance, right? But, but think about the last thing that brought you great happiness. And then I want you to think about how long that lasted. Honestly, a lot of times when LSU wins, it lasts till I turn the TV off. And then I'm like, all right, you know, next thing. Just one season, <laughs> eight years of buildup. But, but a lot of that stuff, guys, it's temporary, right? Even, even big things. Even big things. Come on. I mean, there's a couple in the room right now. They just got recently married. So sweet. Right? Such happiness. Has the happiness worn off yet? No, it's still good. It's still good. Yes. Oh, Lord be with them. It's just the way life is, man. It's good. It's good. I mean, me and Aideen, it was happy, happy, happy for about a week. And then we got home. It was longer than that. Two weeks max, so let's be honest. I mean, first nine months of our marriage, it was like, what did we do? Bad choice, you know? But anyway, things, they last a certain amount of time, and then they kind of fade. And so if we're searching for this happiness, then we're going to be disappointed, right? So so this thing of joy, how is it different? Now, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what is Christian joy, because I think this— I think that Christian joy is actually the only true joy, okay? I think it's the only true joy. I think everything else really would fall into the category of happiness because this thing of joy, first off, joy is listed in the Bible as a fruit of the Spirit. It's a characteristic of God, okay? So joy is something that God has sort of cornered the market on. All right, so what we really talk about most of the time, we're talking about happiness. And so what is Christian joy? Well, I think it's important that we understand what it is and what it isn't. And um, I'd say that the only true joy is Christian joy because it's based on the good news of Jesus. Come on, y'all, whenever we talk about the redemption of the earth, the redemption of creation, whenever we talk about death being defeated, whenever I talk about death being defeated, Everything that falls under the category of death, every disease, every negative situation, it, it covers all of it. It covers all of it. And, and it's the only thing, Christian joy being based on the good news of Jesus, it's the only thing that can withstand such powerful things as death. It's the only real thing. Everything else ends at that point. And that's where a lot of times for us, happiness is, is really something fun to hold on to because we can always have something in this life that we're looking forward to or we're kind of pulling happiness from, except whenever our heart stops beating. Everything else stops at that point. Or maybe of somebody that we love. It's, it, that's where it, it glitches. It, it can't withstand that level of, of, of grief or pain. So I'll say this, Christian joy is unique from worldly happiness in that it isn't circumstantial. I think that's the first thing about Christian joy we have to understand. It's not circumstantial. Christian joy is not a result of our circumstances, but remains despite our circumstances. Happiness, again, fluctuates up and down. You know, oh, my team won, oh, my team lost. Oh, I got that job, oh, I lost that job. Oh, my spouse, you know, we got, we got, we got married, oh, my spouse. My spouse is unfaithful, right? Happiness does this. Joy is something that remains in spite of that. I like this quote about it. It says, if joy and happiness were friends, happiness would be the unfaithful one of the two. It's the unfaithful friend. How many of you have had a really good friend that you just bore your heart to and you had a great relationship, thick and thin, ride or die, but then how many of you have had that, that friend that like if you didn't call them, they never called you? You know what I'm talking about? That friend that like you plan to go and show up and do something to hang out and then it's like 15 minutes late, you text them, they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. That's not a faithful friend. Happiness is like that. Happiness is like that friend that we place so much stock in but they continue to disappoint us. The crazy thing is that we continue to go right back to the same thing. We continue to, to, to think that, oh, again, this time it's really going gonna, gonna to work better than it did last time. For some people, it's like, oh, the last spouse didn't work out. The next one, that's where, that's where the happiness is at. And then they, it's the same thing over and over. Some people, they're like, if I, I just need to move to a different area. I just need to move somewhere else in order to find happiness. And, and that, you know, to a certain extent, it's good sometimes to have a change of scenery or whatnot. But, but at the end of the day, let's be honest. Happiness is an unfaithful friend. It's how we approach it. It's how we think about it. It matters a lot. But there are, again, going back to the Timothy Keller quote or that that, that phrase of happiness being favorable circumstances, we we still have these unfavorable circumstances that take place. Now, I want to say something before we go to the next thing. I believe that Favorable and unfavorable circumstances, both can actually distract us from God. A lot of times it's, oh man, something really bad happened. And that kind of, we had this idea that that throws our focus away from God or, or it gets in the way. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel that I see more people walk away from God in good times rather than bad times. I, it's over time it's like, like actually, I see believers kind of reach out and grab onto God with all they got whenever they go through trials, but I've seen others most get lulled to sleep in good times. So, so as we talk about circumstances and, and our joy being found in God and, and Christian joy, I don't want you to think that it's because of a circumstance. I, I, think, that, I think that joy is outside of those circumstances that's why'. It's, not circumstantial, it's something different. The other thing about Christian joy is that you can actually maintain Christian joy through suffering, which I would define suffering as those unfavorable circumstances. So whether it's favorable or unfavorable, joy is not touched by those two things. Actually, James says this. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness." So he encourages us to have this mindset where we would actually count any trial, every various uh, trial or circumstance, again, whether good or bad, that we would approach it and count it as all joy to, to actually see what it is that's being produced in us as we walk through those, those times. Is that difficult? Yep. It is. That's why it's a command. I don't read it as James saying, hey, just a good idea. Some good advice for you today would be try to count it joy. No, he's like, count it all joy. Like, I'm telling you, this is a huge component to joy is that you would actually face those situations And you would actually biblically count those as something that is going to produce a wonderful God-like characteristic in you. Like, this is really where our faith grows. My faith in God doesn't really grow as much in good times as it does in bad times. That steadfastness. Guys, the more resistance, the more strength. It's in every part of our lives. We're working out. The more the weight that you can lift, the more times you can lift that weight, the more resistance that you encounter, the stronger your muscles are. Why would it be any different in our lives? And I think for some people, they would actually rather avoid and deny negative situations than actually realize that it's a part of life. If I had everybody raise their hand in this room right now about you know, losing a loved one. You know, how many of you, death has visited your home at some point, right? Or maybe you've encountered a disease or something like that. Every single one of us in this room would raise our hands because all of us have experienced some d- degree of pain in that area. But isn't it amazing how we're still surprised by it? Like, we learn from things that happen over and over and over. We we learn from them. We get used to those things, right? Like, we... Everything else in life, if we encounter a bad relationship, well, the next one doesn't surprise us as much as the previous one, right? Because we learn, like, okay, this is kind of one of those things. But when it comes to death, when it comes to these extreme things, we're still surprised by it because we weren't built for it. We weren't built for it. So there's got to be something that, that supersedes that, that transcends that in order to anchor us through suffering. So guys, look, it's not a question of whether or not we're going to encounter suffering. It's just a matter of when. And for some people, what I'm talking about right now is a very, this is something that you actually, you, you try to veer away from try to veer away from. Have you ever talked to somebody about something really, really depthy or really kind of negative and they're like, oh yeah, I just don't like to think about that. Like, you know, like, hey man, you know, one day my heart's going to stop beating. And they're like, oh, whoa, I don't want to, I don't, <laughs> it's like, do you think that this is Disney World? I mean, like, do you think that, why is there such a, a, a defense mechanism that comes up whenever we talk about suffering? because we know that suffering doesn't produce happiness. But suffering, if we count it right, if we suffer well, it can actually produce something much greater. James, he doesn't say that we won't suffer. He says that that as believers, we suffer differently. We suffer well. We we suffer as people with hope. We talked about hope a couple weeks ago. We encounter the things that we encounter in life differently than those who have no hope. We encounter really, really depthy things like what we're talking about now, but we also encounter superficial things like election season, right? We encounter it differently than those who don't know Jesus. At least we should. At least we should. I think we just read a scripture that sort of should have aligned our thinking biblically. Whose shoulders does the government rest on, right? Jesus. Where's our hope found? Not in Republicans or Democrats or whatever in between, right? Found in Jesus, y'all. Don't get so bent out of shape about things that we know are coming. History repeats itself, y'all. What makes us think that we're any different than any other nation out there? I went to Cuba this past week and got to spend some time with uh, at the church uh, Nueva Vida, New Life Church in uh, Cohimar and um Cuba has been just destroyed by uh, by terrible politics and, and and just really greedy people, right? It's been destroyed, um, and so literally going there, it's like going into a time capsule. Like they I mean they're still operating, and they still same cars and whatnot, fifty years old. They're still operating out of the same thinking in a lot of ways, and and so anyway. Being there was, man, it was so good for me personally just to be able to see people who their hope is not based on things. For a lot of us, we have this mindset that if I don't like my situation, I can better it. I can go and change it. I can get a better job. I can do this. We have this free mindset. It's not that free down there. So one thing I love, though, is that their hope, their peace, their joy, it ain't based on any of that it's based on something much greater than that. And that was challenging for me. Somebody asked me a couple days later and said, man, you know, um, man, can I pray for you about anything? And I said, honestly, <laughs> I don't think you can. <laughs> because anything that I would say right now, I would feel like it's a sin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I wish that I could, uh, my car has been making this funny noise. And you know, I just think that Uh, It might need to go in the shop, and I mean, I just, it's not in the budget, you know. (laughs) Shut your mouth, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Just for me, if that's you, don't take that, uh, don't be condemned. But for me, it's like, what is, where are we at, man? Where are we at? That that would actually mess with my perceived joy. Kind of weak, right? Y'all know how it is when you go on a trip, you come back, and you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, (laughs) Changes you a little bit. We suffer differently as believers. Nehemiah 8.10, he says to the people, he says, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So not only is the joy of the Lord as it's not circumstantial, it's actually, it's our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The reality that God is with me and for me in the midst of trials produces overwhelming joy. This is how our faith grows in the midst of struggles. And this is how our joy is more clearly displayed in trials. When your faith is tested, when your hope is tested, I believe that it actually reveals the source of your joy even more. I'd say this, that without walking through certain things, without walking through trials, you actually don't know where your joy is found. You really don't. And that's a tough reality. It's a tough reality, but it's a, true, it's a true reality. The next thing about Christian joy is that Christian joy remains in our waiting. Remains in our waiting. There's this, this concept in Christian life where, um, or this understanding of believing in something that you don't yet possess, but is, is really promised in the future. There's this tension in our waiting. All throughout the Bible, one, one concept would be that we are saved as believers. As we place our trust in Jesus, we're saved, but we're also in the process of being saved. And then one day we will be saved. So there's this reality of having something, possessing it to a certain extent, but also there's this waiting before we'll truly possess it or truly experience it. That's so why some people have trouble with the fact that Jesus defeated death, but yet we still see it all around us. It's because you're missing this concept of the already, not yet. We already have a promise that's fulfilled, but yet it's not been fully fulfilled, right? Like, like physically, like tangibly. And some people struggle with that. But as you read the word of God, you'll see this concept all throughout. So there's this reality of retaining or maintaining joy in the midst of waiting, This perspective of counting it all joy, it sustains us in the waiting. And guys, every single one of us are stuck in this right now. We're in this season of of waiting. Don't grow weary in it. Allow God to be greater glorified through it. Count it all joy in the midst of your waiting. Is that difficult? Again, yes, sometimes it is but it is a reality, it is a spiritual reality. And again, like kind of one of the first quotes we said about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what he said about this celebratory mindset of what Jesus came to bring, this mindset isn't touched by circumstances. It's outside of it, it's in another realm. And what I'm talking about, I hope I'm I'm making it clear and kind of putting the cookies on the bottom shelf Uh, Because this is a a difficult concept. This is something that we struggle with because we want heaven on earth, y'all. We want it now. We believe that heaven has come to earth in the form of Jesus and that he's made all things right, but yet we're in the waiting. We're in the waiting. So I want to read a quote from Matt Chandler. He says this about this concept. As we anticipate the second coming of Christ, we look back and reflect on the evidences of the already not yet kingdom in our everyday lives, which stir in us a great hope and longing for Christ's return. Guys, look, it's not about just looking back at what Jesus has done, but it's also about looking forward to his second coming, that he will make all things right. The first time he came, he came as a baby in a manger, right? But he's not a baby in a manger anymore. And the next time that he comes, the Bible says he's gonna come back with fire in his eyes. Come on, that he's coming back to wrap this thing up, to fix every single thing that was broken. There will still be suffering even in that time though. If you read the Bible, you know. There's a lot of thoughts about what it's gonna look like and what it's gonna be like. I don't know, but all I know is that my trust is in Jesus. And at the end of the day, it's gonna be good for those who are in Christ. That's our hope. Outside of that, there's nothing. Outside of that, the best that you can hope for is something temporary in this life to produce some sort of happiness or some sort of pseudo joy that at the end of the day is gonna run out. But come on, believers, come on. Whenever your faith is grounded in Jesus, it's amazing how suffering, it only reaches so far into your heart, right? Because you have something greater. So how do we live with this joy in closing? How do we live with this joy? It's the same thing that I said in the beginning, the same verse that we talked about, Luke 2. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel said, I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy. So the news, good news, another word for that is the gospel, The good news causes great joy. The good news anchors you through fear. The good news anchors you through the the things that you'll deal with in your life. I want to close with this this illustration of whenever we talk about Jesus being the anchor of our soul, it's really kind of born from this concept of uh, where a big ship was about to go through a narrow waterway. And they would send out this small boat first and that small boat would go and, and tie a, a rope or a chain or some sort of you know, thing like that to this boulder or to this sure found, found it thing that could not be moved. And then they would actually pull or crank the boat through that narrow waterway safely. That's Jesus, y'all. He has gone where we could not go And he has anchored us and now he is guiding us through the narrow waterways of this life safely. And that's why we can be so sure of what we believe in. We can be so sure in the hope that we have because it's based in Jesus. It's not based in our ability to to ride this big boat through all these narrow waterways. No, 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 no. We don't trust in our own ability. We trust in Jesus. And today, for many of you, you've got to realize that your joy, if it's based on you, if it's based on your ability, it's always gonna let you down. There's something greater. Happiness fluctuates. Our joy being found in Jesus does not. Let me pray for you right now. God, I pray for every person in this room. Those of us who we've been in this thing for a while, we've been in this walk, this relationship with you for a while. God, I pray that right now that you would help each person to remember where our true source of joy comes from to be reminded of your greatness, of your goodness, of your faithfulness to us. But God, also, I know that there's a group of people in this room who they've never really truly trusted in you. And God, I'm praying that right now that you would make yourself real to them, that you would reveal your truth to them, that you would reveal the good news to them. As we all have our eyes Close Our heads bowed I just want to briefly Kind of remind you Of what this good news is The good news is that We were created perfectly This world was perfect God created it was good Through sin The world has been uh, Turned upside down It's been messed up It's been messed up It's why we look around us And we see brokenness We see death We weren't created for that So something, someone had to come and set it back right. And God's plan was to send his own son to live like we could not live and to die for us in our place, to shed his innocent blood, to pay the price, the penalty for us. That's what Jesus has done for you. And he was raised again. He defeated death in the grave so that in the same way as we are found in him, we too will defeat death and the grave. We'll be raised to new life. That's the truth. And today, that's the truth I wanna to bring to you. And if that's you, you're in this place, you're far from God, I wanna say a prayer with you right now. You don't have to repeat exactly what I say, but I would encourage you to say a prayer to God, you, to God. Say something like this. God, I come to you humble and broken realizing how poor in spirit I really am God I am desperate for your forgiveness I am desperate to be clothed in your righteousness that you have purchased for me on the cross God I repent of my sin right now I pray that father you would change my thinking that you would change my thinking God not just what I do but what I want to do change my desires God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I repent now, and I thank you for your goodness. God, as we close out today, Father, I pray that we would walk out of this place with a greater understanding of joy, not just happiness, but joy, and that our joy is made full because of what Jesus has done. We thank you. We exalt you in this place. In Jesus' name, come on, if you believe it, say amen. Amen. Yeah, come on,
1: Northwood family. It's been a good morning, hasn't it? Hey guys, my name is Tom. I'm the assistant pastor here at the Gulfport uh, campus. And, you know, I just want to spend a couple minutes, if you can just kind of just hone in just for a couple more minutes here. you know some of some of you maybe that prayer that we just prayed that was like the first time you ever prayed something like that, and what the Bible says is that um, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are going to be saved, and that 's what you just did and literally what 's happened now is that the righteousness of christ god 's goodness is now wrapped around you, you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and your, and your whole life has been renovated from the inside out, and that's, you've entered into eternal joy. We just talked about joy, and you've entered into eternal joy, and we want to celebrate that with you, and, and also at the same time, we don't want to just kind of cut you loose, and say, well, good luck with that. You've started a journey, but you've also entered into a family. This is a family now that you're a part of, and we wanna partner with you in that journey. So what, uh, what I would love for you to do, you know, Pastor Jordan mentioned this back at the beginning of the service, is our What's Next card. Just grab that, fill that out, turn it in, and uh, what I want to do is just reach out to you, connect with you this week, and I want to get into your hands a special video that Pastor Jordan made. It's going to give you your next steps, really kind of break open the decision you just made, and I want to be there to kind of partner with you and, and help you walk that out. If you got any questions or uh, want to just know how to get connected to this family, I want to be the guy to help you with that. So turn that in, please, um, at, back at our next steps area we got a great couple back there who would love to just um, say congratulations. they got a little gift for you. and uh, or, or if you need to, you can also drop it off at any one of the buckets at the door as you leave. Um, this card is also for those of you who maybe this is your first time with us at Northwood, or maybe you've been here for a few weeks and you haven't yet connected with us. I want to do the same thing for you. I want to get to know you, um, say hey, uh, see if there's any questions you got about the church. Um, so turn on this card the same uh, two ways that are on the screen, and I'll, I'll reach out to you this week. I'm not going to spam you or anything, all right? I just want to reach out, say hey, and however um, however much you want to dialogue with me, I'll dialogue right back, all right? Um, also, guys, we got an amazing group of people. I mention them every week. It's our prayer team. Uh, they're always right up here along the front, and uh, right after service dismisses. If there's anything going on in your life, you know, Pastor Jordan talked about uh, joy versus happiness, but maybe that little happiness trend in your life, you're kind of hanging out in the bottom area right now, and life just is hard, and you need someone to agree with you in prayer, someone to speak some words of encouragement and truth over your life. Um, That's what the prayer team is here for. Um, They just want to love on you a little bit and and pray with you. So right after we dismiss, Anything going on at all in your life, just make your way up front and uh, make yourself available to them. Um, also, as, as far as a giving goes, guys, we're a giving church. We love to give. Um, everything that we do, we've been talking a lot about how we've been blessing people in our community, about things we do locally and things we do around the world. And it's all because you guys are faithful in your giving. So I just wanna encourage you, remain faithful in that, even when it's difficult, even when it's the holiday season, remain faithful in it. And, uh, and God's pouring out his blessings on our church. I believe it because of faithfulness in this area and many others. So um, uh, go ahead and stand up, guys. Uh, We're gonna get ready to go here. I got a couple more things real quick. Don't forget acts of kindness this week. You know, I just wanna encourage you keep your heart soft this week, Um, keep your spiritual eyes open. And for that, we need God's leading. Be in prayer, be looking for those people in your life that are just gonna cross your path. And it's gonna happen probably when you're not expecting it, but when you're open and willing, God's gonna bring someone into your path that you can bless this week. So show an act of kindness to someone. Um, Also, right after we let out, I wanna remind you about our Next Steps class. If you've been here for a little while and wanna get involved in the church or just kinda see what's going on, where we've been as a church, where we're going, maybe how you can be a part, um, that's gonna be right after we dismiss. Just go right out this door, right in the back here, hang a left, I'll be back there, Pastor Jordan will be back there and it's gonna be a good time for about 40, 45 minutes, all right, sound good? Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time.